The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. silver and gold. If you are joining us for the first time in this, in this uh, teaching, you are welcome. I mean, and um, we encourage you to download the messages for free online um, or buy the CD at the back at the resource stand if that works better for you. And again, and we encourage you, even if you've been here from part one, to get the series and open your heart to it because a lot of the things are fundamental things that needs to shift so that we can be properly positioned for all that God has for us here on earth and beyond. So we explained that for you to be all that God has called you to be, there are two things at play, two forces at play, if you will. The first is nature, and the second is nurture. For a child to become all the child can be, the child must have the nature and the right nature and the right nurture. We know that with nature without nurture, you can get some progress. So you have some very intelligent people that are fine, but they never nurture their intelligence, so they never become all that God has called them to be. And we have people that are not so intelligent, but they, they read and read and read and read and read, and, and they pass all their exams. So nature has to do with the things that we were handed at birth, the our internal DNA, if you will, how our makeup, our genetic makeup. And nurture has to do with what we were conditioned to become. What we were taught, our environment. And when nature and nurture intersect, you have an individual performing at the possible best. When you have someone that has the genes to grow tall and the person is now eating beans, you know that, <laughs> as if that were the only thing <laughs> that would make you grow tall, but let's as if that's a condition for it, you, you know that that person is going to hit the roof if possible. Someone that is intelligent naturally now is surrounded with things that stimulate their minds and, and help them to, to, to think and to grow intellectually, they become intellectual giants. The same thing, some, someone that is gifted in sports, is athletic, and he has all the resources to train, the right diet, the right coaching, the right environment, they become the best. Praise the name of the Lord. Which is why I, you know, I said to people that the only sport 
this is just on their side. We have a chance at Nigeria to become number one in the world. The only sport is soccer. That's the only sport we have a chance at, really. Why? Because if you go to other countries, there are facilities from the grassroots. People just go there and start running. They start training. They have the best coaches. They have the best technology. The only thing that a child is born doing in Nigeria is what? <laughs> so that's why I believe one day we will leave the World Cup. <laughs> Do you believe that with me? <laughs> so, so back to the issue of attracting wealth. <clears throat> Basketball, we have no chance. Golf, we have zero chance. Until something changes. I'm trying not to go off on a tangent, but I'm very passionate about this thing. <laughs> Swimming. <laughs> go to go to Niger Delta. Go to Niger. They are swimming. <laughs> Our own style of swimming. Hey, let's document it and develop it to Olympics level, right? Our own style that we go into the water in Lagos and we appear in Akure. <laughs> that is our own style of swimming. <laughs> Nature, nurture. So, if you look at um, the things that pertain to wealth, we need to have the nature and the nurture. In Galatians 3, Galatians 3, 13, it says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was on, on the cross. He took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, everybody say through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same, everyone say the same. same. The same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers, we might receive the promise of the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit. So we who are believers can come into the same blessing, the same covenant God had with Abraham, not a different one, not a better one. So when Jesus called, came and he says that he is a better covenant, he wasn't referring to the covenant of Abraham. So we are born of God. First John 5 says that for everyone that is born of God overcomes the world. He says in another place that he that is born of God is, cannot sin, does not continue to sin, that is, that because the, the seed of God is in him. The DNA. Everybody say DNA. DNA. The DNA of God is in him. He's carrying the DNA of God. And if you are carrying the DNA of God and demons cannot overpower God, demons cannot overpower you. Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, that's just how it works. If you carry the DNA of God 
and there's no poverty in God, there should be no poverty in you. Everything in you should fight it until you break the back of poverty. You know, in the Western world, no Western world, the Western part of Nigeria, they say that the, the, the child that a lion gives birth to always looks like a lion. If the lion gives birth to um, a child and it now looks like a tortoise or a, uh, a goat, you know there's a problem. It can't be the lion. It can't be the child of a lion. So we have the nature of dominion. We have the nature of God. We have the nature of creativity. We have the nature that brings us out of any situation. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you start from. The key thing is you're not going to die there. You're going to become all that God has called you to be in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you are not born again. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. You are doing yourself a disservice. A disservice. And if you are saved and you don't understand this, I mean, for years, a lot of us didn't understand this. That because God's DNA is in me, I have certain supernatural potential. I have potential to do supernatural things. You know why? Because my father is supernatural. Supernatural is natural to me. It's my nature. I can see into the spirit realm because my father is spirit. I can hear the inaudible because my father is spirit. I can see the invisible. I don't struggle to see it because that's who I am. (laughs) And the same for every one of us. That is working with God. But you see, it's possible to have the nature and not still come to the fullness because you don't have the nurture, the right nurturing. It's possible to have the nature. Your father is intelligent, but you are coming last in the class. Maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, these genes keep one generation, you know. (laughs) But maybe, maybe it is a nurture thing. Maybe it's a nurture thing. And we, we began to look at the things that pertain to nurture, the principles. And we, we said there are 12 of, of them that we will look at. Obviously, there may be more. There definitely are more. But these 12 are, if you get these 12 locked down, and you keep nurturing yourself, conditioning yourself with these 12 principles, it is impossible for you to be poor. Now, I know you've been a tribe. And Pastor Dami has taught us that financial wealth is not necessarily, financial riches is not necessarily wealth. Right? And that is true. But she also taught us that if you are really wealthy, you will uh, have financial wealth. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord makes rich. So is it possible to be righteous and to be poor? Yes. And she gave us the example of Lazarus. It's possible to be righteous and be poor and go to heaven. And there's nothing wrong with it if that is what you want. That is why God said, the poor you will have with you. Always. That's why Lazarus was always begging other people for bread. I've made up my mind. It's just simple. 
this man and his generation will not beg for bread. Amen. You and your generation will not beg for bread. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's a matter of choice. Largely. So we looked at the, the principle of light, the conditioning of light. We looked at the principle of work, the work conditioning. We looked at the principle of divine orchestration. And we, we looked at the, the principle of value. Then, the principle of last week, that was part four. Part five, we looked at the principle of, of giving, the principle of meekness, the principle of courage. And the principle of delayed gratification, if you missed it, get it, please. Today we are going to be looking at the principle of vision. There was a vision. The principle of tithing. The principle of wisdom. And the principle of obedience. This is so, so important, so crucial for our work on earth. Yes, the most important thing on earth is the salvation of your soul. Don't get me wrong. And there are other greater things to do on earth, like justice, mercy, true. But you see, you can't even really carry out justice. You can't really be the voice for the voiceless if you are not financially strong. Praise the name of the Lord. I explained last week that by the grace of God in, in the Equator community, we are building um, some houses that are joined together. We are, we are building accommodation as a prototype. Now, now, can we build that accommodation without financial resources? It's not possible. It's not possible. In fact, my grandmother used to say, <laughs> should I tell you this one? She used to say that, I will interpret it for those that don't speak Yoruba because she couldn't speak Yoruba, you know, English, sorry. <laughs> so she used to say that, it means that the hand of the child will first hold the sword before asking who killed my father. If you have not touched the sword, please don't ask who killed my father. Because the person that killed your father is still alive. Do you understand that proverb? So, <laughs> if you, you, you need to touch financial strength first before you can begin to deliver other people. I don't know how to swim. The people that swim say that if somebody is drowning, you have to save yourself first. The airplane says, please wear your own airbag first before trying to help even your child. Why? Because what makes you think you can help anybody if, if, if you've not helped yourself? So this principle, by the grace of God, that we are delivering are principles that we, by the grace of God, has worked for decades. The things I'm teaching today, I didn't just read them yesterday and come to teach them today. No, 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 no. These are things today, I discovered them over 10 years ago. I can't remember precisely, but definitely over 10 years ago. And I decided to, to 
prove it. And I can tell you that it works. Praise the name of the Lord. It's, it's one thing to have head knowledge of the word of God. It's another thing to have experiential knowledge. If you have experiential knowledge, you will panic. You will panic when things are just going up and down because you know what to do. The word of God is unbreakable. It's totally unbreakable. So you plug into it, you get the result. So are you ready? <clears throat> the principle of vision. The principle of vision. The principle of vision is so, 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 so powerful that it's as if everything is connected. I know from last week, every, almost every principle I'm saying, oh, it's so, so powerful, it's so, so important. Because it's true, they are. They are, believe me. It's as if everything is connected. To vision. It is so powerful that you, you really cannot have if you don't have a mental picture of it. So, a vision is a mental picture of what could be and should be. That's understanding that said that a vision is a mental picture of what could be and should be. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, when you have a mental picture of what could be, it's just a dream. This could be. It's a dream, it's fine. It's good to have a dream. But until what could be become what should be, it doesn't become a vision. So a vision is a vision because it's what could be that should be. Because it's not everything that could be that should be. You're going to have a lot of ideas. But it's not every idea you have that is worthy of your pursuit. You're going to have a lot of Dreams. I have this dream. I have that dream. If you chase every dream you have, you're going to have problems. So how does, in fact, we did a whole series on, on engineering your dream. How does a vision, how, how does that, a, a mental picture go from what could be to what should be? You probably need to listen to that series. In fact, a lot of these principles I'm teaching you I'm teaching you to whet your appetite so that you go and get the deeper knowledge of, of what is required. But basically, what could be becomes what should be when God places a stamp on it. 
when there's a moral imperative for it. So, it is not just what could be, it becomes what should be. This is what God really wants. It's not just an idea that I want. It's not just a good idea. When it's just a good idea, it's just a dream. But when a good idea becomes a God idea, it becomes a vision. And it's worthy of your pursuit. Praise the name of the Lord. Totally worthy of your pursuit. But people can say, oh, but pastor, you know, I'm not, um, I don't see visions. Me, I don't see into the supernatural, you know. Um, does it mean that God cannot, or I struggle to, or does it mean that God cannot show me a vision? Or how can I get the vision for my life? Do I need to see angels? And do I really need all that before? <laughs> now listen, God can deliver a vision to you either through a physical experience or a spiritual experience. God can give you a vision through a spiritual experience or a physical experience. It could be a spiritual experience, but it could be a totally physical experience. There are many times that, in fact, you see something and you know that you are supposed to do that. You experience something and you know that I ha this is what I've been called to do. You've not seen it a vision. The thunder has not, as in a spiritual vision, the thunder has not struck. But guess what? It does not, it does not invalidate the vision. Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, verse 5, the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up to the skies. And see angels. Is that, is that what he said? He says, count all these innumerable hosts of angels. No. He says, look up. I see the sky and, and count the stars. Can't everybody see the stars? Everybody can see the stars. So you don't need to, a spiritual vision to see the stars. So even Abraham, God gave him a vision through a physical, his physical sight. That is how many your descendants will be. That is how many descendants you will have. Come out and see. Come out and see. In Genesis 13, verse 14, Genesis 13, 14, so I'm, 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 I'm explaining this from this angle so that you get it that, oh, it's nothing, I don't need to, God wants to speak to you more than you want to hear him. So, God is able to show you a vision without knocking you out. God is able to show you a vision even with the things you can see. There are many times, and it happens a lot of the time when, when I'm, on, I'm, I'm out of town, you know, and, and I'm just, you know, seeing something, I know that no way. Why can't, why can't God move this way in Nigeria? God must move this way. Why can't, why should we, you know, I went to a church one day, and, you know, years ago, and believe me, everything was in order. I'm like, so why are we so disorganized? So I, so I received a vision that, and it is God that showed me <laughs> that 
I may not be able to put the whole Nigeria in order yet, but I can put my house in order, and I can put the church God has put me in charge to pastor in order. Praise the name of the Lord. So, but many people, they travel, they see the order, they say, ah, they come and they say, ah, Nigeria, this is Nigeria, the house of disorder. So, you, you, you come to your own home, it's in disarray. Why? Because you've seen it, but you've not seen it. And there are many, and is that a vision from God? Yes, it's a vision from God. It is absolutely a vision from God. Absolutely. A vision from God. <laughs> you know? So many things, but let me just go on. Genesis 13, 14. It says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, look as far as you can see. Now, here, Abraham used a combination of physical and spiritual eyes, I must say. In every direction. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. I am giving you all this land. As far as you can see. Can we say that together? I want to go. So what determines the limit of what Abraham gets? His vision. As far as you can see. To you, I will give it to you, your descendants, as a permanent possession. As far as you can see. As far as you can see. You know what God was saying to Abraham? God was saying, Abraham, I want to teach you a lesson. And the lesson is this. You cannot have what you have not seen. You cannot. If you are going to walk in the blessings of Abraham that I am going to walk in, and you are going to walk in, you are going to have to see it before you can have it. You cannot have what you have not seen. So, what have you seen? What spiritual future have you seen for yourself? Have you seen that you will walk with God and you will keep waxing stronger and stronger until you see Jesus? Have you seen it? Have you, have you seen how you will grow strong and you will be able to hear from God and nobody will be able to deceive you? Have you seen it? Have you seen the future of your children? You know God can show you the future of your children. He can. If, if you are working with God, if you have a tangible relationship with God, God can show you. You know, Jacob, Israel said, come boys, let me tell you how your end will be. He was an old frail man. He says, I will tell you how you will turn out. Reuben, come here. This is how you will turn out. Levi, come here. This is how you will, you know. Judah, this is how you will turn out. And, you know, if you read it, you think he was cursing them. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was actually telling them. That this is the path you are going. This is where you are going to end. What financial future have you seen for your family? I mean, again, I, I want to challenge us, those of us that are wives. I mean, after you today, cook correct pounded yam for your husband with a goosey soup. And, and the men say, hey, Amen. <laughs> you, know, you know, after he has eaten and his belly is full with cold water. 
They say, Oga, what can you see? <laughs> what financial future can you see for us? Tell me how you see us in five years. Do you still see us? How? Just tell us. Just tell me. Your servant hear it. Please take a pen and begin to write down. You know, because when the man is full, he sees vision. <laughs> Ask Isaac. <laughs> it becomes very spiritual. <laughs> he begins to bless. Because you cannot have it until you see it. It is so, 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 so powerful. That you understand? It sounds simple, doesn't it? It sounds straightforward, doesn't it? But it's, it, it is what determines what happens. If you see that you are currently being harassed, that is what you are seeing. You are currently being harassed. And you don't do anything about it. That's what's going to happen. If what you are seeing, you know, sometimes, you know, someone was seeing, every time he's coming out of his car, ah, he's seeing that, ah, it's as if there are armed robbers around him. There's nobody around him, but he's just seeing it, just feeling it, you know. And I said to him, block out time and trash it. Deal with it until you don't see it again. And he did. And that was the end of it. To the glory of God. But you know what? If he ignores it, as he has seen it, so shall he be. And people say, ah, why can't be having this feeling? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I've been seeing, oh, why is it that when you see the bad things, you are afraid? And when you see the good things, you are not excited, you don't believe it. Why? You know what, me, me is, I condition myself for the opposite. If I feel the bad things, I reject it. I that's not my own. The good things, I can sit down and just be replaying it over and over. That's why, if you, for those people, people that are close to me, they know that I love the company of myself. I love to be alone. You think I'm an extrovert? I'm not. I'm actually very introverted. So I can sit down on the floor and I'm just, they say, what is this thinking? It's replaying that it's going to give you an altar call and people are going to come forward and they're going to give their life to Jesus. It's replaying that God's favorite house is going to be in the north, in the south, in the east, and in the west. It's going to be in every nation of the earth. People that are far from God will be delivered from alcohol, from drugs. I see them coming out in the name of Jesus. That's what I'm replaying. I'm seeing it. And it's happening. It's happening. Praise the Lord. What can you see? In 2 Kings 2, 10, Elijah said, after Elisha said, ah, okay, he says, what do you want? He says, you have been a good boy. All the other prophets, they are just messing around. But you, you're a good boy. What do you want? He says, okay, I want twice of your spirit. He's not talking about the spirit man. He's talking about the, the, the spirit of God upon him, the anointing of God upon him. I want twice, double your, your portion of your, your anointing. Ah, Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. It says, but, but, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. 
says, but if you don't see me, it won't happen. There are moments, even in services like this, that things are happening spiritually. If you see it, it happens. If you don't see it, you wait for another round. Same thing. That's how, that's how it works. So, paying attention is so powerful. And Elijah, Elijah was saying to Elisha, that look, this thing you've asked for actually depends on you. What can you see? It, it is not that easy, but it depends on you. What can you see? 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 You're a student. Do you see yourself coming out with a, with a two-one? You know, interestingly, interestingly, you know, that's why you, you, you need to, for those of us that are children, they know the Lord, we are at an advantage. Interestingly, when I was in university, I was in Unilag, from year one, I actually, in retrospect, I actually made up my mind I don't want to make a first class. I tell you, I kid you not. I just say, what do I want to do with it? Just make a two-one and, and go. And guess what? The course I was doing, to make a two-one, it's almost impossible, quote-unquote. I said, no, I don't need a first class. I don't need a two-one. Why? I want to, I, I, I will not use, I will not use. Let's just do other things, you know. We make, it takes a lot to make a first class. At least, at that time. And guess what? Exactly what happened. What if I had said, while I was entering, whatever it takes, this is what I'm going to take. That's what, I have friends that said, believe me, while I was saying that because I felt I could, probably, I felt I could have made it first class because, you know, but I felt I don't need it. I have friends that said to me, Comfortable to do. I kid you not. That all they want is what? Comfortable to do. There are some that says, let's just get out first. And guess what? That's what they did. They just got out. <laughs> they just got out. Ask your children, what do you really want to make? You'll be surprised at what they tell you. You are breaking your head that they are not making first class. They, they, they don't want to make first class. They are happy, some of them, with tutu. You have to drive away that spirit. <laughs> it's not the spirit. <laughs> you know. But the key thing is this. When you cannot see it, you cannot have it. For you to have it, you must first what? See it. And there's something that seeing does to you. Seeing releases a burden. When you can see something, you have a burden for it. And the burden you have for it changes the course of your direction, changes the, 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 makes, affects the choices you make. The burden you have affects when everybody's sleeping. You are awake because of the burden you have. The burden you have, when everybody's going this way, you, you are staying the straight and narrow. Why? Because of what you can see. What you can see with your eyes affects the capacity of your heart. The reason some people are not fired up is simple. They wake up, they're not, they're not, they're doing life, no energy, no passion, nothing. It's simple. They've not seen anything. 
And they see another person. Is, somebody has said to me before, ah, is it that you just like trouble? It's like you like work too much. God has helped you. Be grateful. And I smile. I'm like, you don't see what I see. What I see, we haven't even started yet. Praise the name of the Lord. So I have to, and I, and I figured out this thing. That Femi, you are 44. No, 43. You see, I'm always, uh, before you know it, you'll be 50. Before you know it, you will increase a wisdom group to 70 so that you will not enter it. <laughs> you'll be 60. Before you know it, you'll be 60. What are you doing? Look, it, 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 I'm so fired up. It's unbelievable. And yet, some people are saying, oh, you are working. What? Kill you are working. No, work does not kill. Has it killed anybody before? It doesn't. It is laziness that kills. The weeping prophet, Jeremiah, in Lamentation 3, he said, my eyes affected my heart because of all the daughters of, of, of the city. What I see has affected my heart. What you see will affect your heart for good or for bad. What you see will affect the burden you carry for good or for bad. What you see determines the cost of your life. The reason your heart is not fired up is because of what you are saying. The reason your heart is going in another direction is because of what you are saying. Change what you are saying. Be deliberate. The whole lot of teaching by itself. Why? Because what you see affects the burden of your heart. And the burden of your heart determines the direction of your life. Can clap alone. The others are either typing or writing. <laughs> what you see determines the burden of your heart. What you see determines your passion. What you see, some of some people they, they drive past other people. They don't see them. You 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 are in a department with people that have need. You don't see them. You don't see the need. Someone is struggling to eat just made it to your department and is smiling. But because you don't see it, you don't see it. But if you really see it, you will do something about it. It drives you. It, it changes the, the course of your life. That's the principle of vision. Number 10. Guess what the 10th principle is? Guess. The 10th one. The principle of tithing. Oh, what a coincidence. It's just the tent. <laughs> it's the tent. So why? Because obviously the tithe is the first 10% of your income. I've, 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 it's, it's supposed to be 10%, but I, I follow the school of thought that actually believe it's the first 10. And the reason is this. If you understand the principle of honor, God is big on honor. God is big on honor. God loves to be honored. 
Men, too, are big on honor. Have you noticed? Men love to be honored. Same thing. Because they are made in the image of God. So do women. Women also love to be honored, but in different ways. <laughs> I think I should go now. <laughs> so, uh, so, honor says you are priority to me. That's honor, basically. So, principle of honor says, God, before I begin to do all the other things I need to do, your priority. That's what it says. Not that after I have done everything I need to do, oh, my tight. <laughs> that is, that is, is obviously not first place. You know, obviously, there's nothing that has, has, has I mean, gendered more question than finances, particularly tithing, you know, when people decide to be open. You know, someone said to me, Pastor, I can't really afford to tithe. Because even the 100% is not going around. And I said to the person, can you really afford not to tithe? Think about it. You really can't afford not to tithe. Why? Because of the insurance that the tithe gives. The promise that follows it. And the insurance it gives to your life. Personally also, I've heard a lot of stories of people that have said to me, oh, I can't really afford to, to tithe. They are sincere people, honest people. I challenge them. I say, you know what? In fact, there was a time we did a tight challenge. <laughs> we are going to do it again. Maybe from next week. Do a tight challenge. I'm quite excited, you know, because a lot of people went through that tight challenge and, and their lives changed. Now, okay, let's do this. We are not playing Kalo Kalo. It's God that says, test me in this. The only place God says, test me. In the whole of the Bible, if I'm not mistaken. Let's tight for X amount of time. Everyone, everyone that goes through it. I've not, I've not met anybody that came back and said, I'm not continuing. Because you can't underestimate what God's blessing on your finances can do for you. You can't. You can't. Another question I get, someone says to me, oh, Pastor, um, come to the office. Oh, I, I, I'm a member of X and Y church, you know. I really don't come to your church, but I want you to pray with me, you know, because somebody has said that, you know, you can pray with people. I say, yeah, I pray with people. And God, I have a way of answering, even though I don't understand why and how. I will pray. And he comes back and he says, Pastor, I, I, I want to uh, give you a tithe. And I said to him, you have a church. Go and pay your tithe in your church. I said, no, 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 no. But this breakthrough, <laughs> I'm like, listen, pay your tithe where? So I said, you can't pay your tithe in your church. Why? Because that is how it's supposed to be again. You could say, oh, you're not very sharp. Why don't you collect it? I kid you not, they have not been, I've had not about three, four, five people 
come up to me with that same question. And every single time I turn them back. Why? Because you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. If you are planted there, God has sent resources there because of a need there. If you don't fulfill it and you are tithing somebody somewhere else, you are, you are cheating and you are stealing from God. Why? Because you go there and you get blessed there. Your children are getting blessed there. And you spread out your tithe as if you are a... Nothing uh, wrong with that. I said, no, 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 no. I will not be a part of that. Take it to your church. And he says, oh, I've never... Not all of them, but some of them says, oh, ah, this is the first time somebody will ever tell me such a thing. You know? They're just a different man. Of, eh. <laughs> I hear you. Praise the Lord. You can't. Because you are planted in a place. And that is where God will send your, your, your food. And that is where you should send your, your tithe. And that question, you know, folks says, about when folks tithing is this, um, they say something like, oh, isn't tithe um, an Old Testament um, teaching? And I laugh. You know? And the reason I laugh is simple. The very first person to tithe in the Bible was who? Was Abraham. Whose blessings are we connected to? Abraham. And in case you've forgotten, let me show you how that whole thing works out. We did say that I adjusted this diagram. I'm sure you've noticed. I hope you have noticed. <laughs> We did say that the Adamic line started from here, basically. From this point, God created Adam and Eve, and they fell, and all that stuff. But God still wanted to have a family on earth. And through that family, raise a savior that will save the whole of humanity. And God chose a man whose name was Abraham. An idol-worshipping man. And God called him out and took him off and established a covenant with him. And we saw that covenant in Genesis 12, 13, 22, 15. That God promised Abraham. And we read in Galatians 3, 13 and 14 earlier on that it is this same Covenant that Christ has brought us that are Gentiles into the same covenant. The same covenant. So, but what was the problem? The problem arose when down the line in the Abrahamic covenant, the group of people that God has said is mine, through you I will save the world, they said to God at this point, through Moses, you talk to Moses and we talk to us. We don't want to deal directly with you. So we had what we call the Mosaic Covenant. So the law came into being. Levitical priesthood, as it were. So we now have all the ceremonial laws, law of cleansing, the law of this, law of that, the law of this, law of that. However, 
at the cross of Calvary, Jesus put an end, total end, to the Mosaic Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant came to an end. And that is what the Bible refers to as the Old Covenant. But the Abrahamic Covenant continued through the cross. In fact, we become a part of that lineage. We become spiritual Jews when we come to Christ. And that is so, so, so powerful that we understand that. So, Abraham is the first man in the Bible to tithe. You see that in Genesis 14, 18 to 20. Yeah. Genesis 14, 18 to 20. You can also write down um, Hebrews 7, 1 and 2. You can read that when you get home. But Genesis 14. It is Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of God, the most high God, brought Abraham, Abraham at the time some bread and wine. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies before you. Then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tent of all and all and all and all and all. And everyone that walks with God, a walk of faith with God, from Abraham tithed. Before the law, before the Mosaic law came into being, Isaac by inference tithed. Even though there's no reference of Isaac tithing. But Jacob clearly tithed because it was recorded that Jacob tithed. So, Abraham tithed, Jacob tithed, you are sure Isaac tithed because who taught Jacob how to tithe? So, everybody that walked with God, pre-law, so to speak, by faith, tithe. So, so what does that tell me? That tells me simply that tithing is not an Old Testament or a New Testament thing. Tithing is a covenant thing. It is between you and God. I mean, you will hear me say that a lot of the time, that it is between you and God. 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 It's, it is always between you and God. If people say, oh, okay, but we are, we are grace people, you know. Um, we are grace people, you know, tithing, you know. <laughs> and I laugh. Every time Jesus challenged the law, every time, he always brings up a higher standard every single time. You must have heard it is written, thou shalt not murder. But I say unto you, if you even are angry at your brother, you are in danger of committing murder. And if you say this, you have committed murder. Did Jesus say that? Or, yes or no? Every time. Jesus says you must have heard. If you, if you sleep with a woman, you've committed adultery with, with her. But I say unto you, if you will look lustfully, Jesus' grace always raises the bar. I don't know the grace that some people have. Their, their own bars has dipped. <laughs> Grace always raises the bar. Grace empowers you to do what the law cannot um, demands that you cannot even do. That's what grace does to you. And that's what it does to you. So, grace enables us to go beyond what the law demanded. That's what grace does to us. And that's why Jesus says that the fulfillment of the law is, of the law, is love. When you love someone, you will not steal from the person. When you love somebody, you will not kill the person. You will not 
hate the person. But the love you have for the person will not just make you not do those things. The love will make you do more things for the person. The love will make you buy gifts for the person. That's going over, not just eating. The love will make you take the person out on a dinner. That is more than just not striking. Praise the name of the Lord. I hope you are getting this. So when you look at Jesus in, in Luke 11, when Jesus referred to um, the issue of, of mentioned, rather, in passing, he didn't really refer to it, the issue of, of tithing, you know, the Bible says that, Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you care, for you are careful about to tithe even the tiniest income of your herbs and, and guidance, but you ignore justice and love of God. You should tithe, yes. Everyone say you should tithe, yes. <laughs> That's the words of Jesus. Okay, yeah, but don't neglect the more important things. But this is where we are going. Jesus said, you should tithe, yes. Shake it up. And beyond that, beyond that, beyond that, the blessings it affords us is undeniable. Our famous Malachi 3 scripture. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do it, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven unto you. Say amen. amen. Again, if you are tithing, don't bother. If you are not tithing, don't bother. Say amen. It's not for you. For those that are tithing. Only those that are tithing are allowed to say amen. Angels are walking up right now. I will pour out a great blessing so great you won't have enough room to take in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Has the amen reduced? (laughs) Then all nations we call you blessed for your land will be such a delight says the Lord of heaven's armies and the titles say and the non-titles say hallelujah (laughs) that's all you're allowed to say that's amen those prayers doesn't concern you now Again, we talk about the tight challenge later on for those that are still on the borderline. So you don't feel bad. Try it and see if God will be God. Principle number 11, principle of wisdom. I'm going to go really, really fast now. Job 8, 28, sorry. Principle of wisdom, Job 28, from verse 11. It says, but do people know where to find wisdom? It says, where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it? For it is not found among the living. It is not there, says here, says the ocean. Nor is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. <laughs> it cannot be purchased with silver. It's worth more than all the gold of Ophir. Greater than precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Lazuli. Uh, I will tell you what that is. Go and Google it. The blue-like substance. Um, um, 
semi-gem, that is. But the key thing is this. A major key to wealth is this. You must, if you're going to be wealthy, you must place more value on wisdom than you do on silver and gold. You must place more value on, silver, on, on wisdom than on money. You must place more value. If you need to go literally and get money, or you need to go and get wisdom, what you do determines where your value is. So what, what am I saying? It's simple. Okay, business person. You don't have a mentor. You are setting yourself up for failure. Why? Because, except, of course, you have, you have grown to a point that you don't need mentors. It's possible. It's possible. Some people enter that space in their business life. It's possible. But you will still even need peers that you can rub minds with. Why? Because wisdom comes from... Someone can see you are, you are just toiling and toiling. The person can give you one idea just that can change your life. Some guy went to do uh, some project and it failed. It failed big time. And he went to his, his mentor and he says, oh, this project failed big time. Ah, the mentor says, I was hoping it would. And he was like, what? I lost. He mentioned the amount of money. He was so upset. He says, I was actually hoping it would fail. <laughs> because if it has succeeded, you will never learn this thing and you are setting yourself for a bigger fail, failure down the line. So it's better this one fails. Now let's talk. And he gave him insight. And he appeared so simple. But guess what? If he had done it, he would not have failed. That's the value of wisdom. You are entering a field. You are not reading. You are asking for trouble. You are asking for trouble. You, you want to start a business. You, have not, you are not reading you have not consumed everything possible on that thing. And you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? You are gambling. That's what you are doing. You're a gambler. Wisdom. When people get wisdom, they appear foolish. You know, the axe, the guy, you know, the, the uh, Ecclesiastes 10, 10 illustration. They were felling trees, both of them. And one says, okay, you know what? Okay, I make I go sharpen my own axe. There was a sharpened waiting. The guy went. He was taking his time, sharpening his thing until the axe was very sharp. He came, one, two, three, boom. The one that is still using energy, still sweating, still sweating, still sweating. Every time you go for wisdom, you appear foolish. But wisdom is justified of his children. That's what the Bible says. Justified of his children. Read Proverbs 3. Okay, let's read it. Proverbs 3, 15 to 16. Very quickly. It says, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing, can de nothing you desire can compare with, with her. She offers you long life in her right hand. And in her left hand are what? Riches and honor. So I'm going to embrace wisdom. In fact, with my two hands and my two legs. 
Right hand is long life. Left hand is riches and honor. What else can a man ask for? Proverbs 21. Quickly. Verse 20. It says, With the wise have wealth and luxury. It says, But fools spend whatever they get. Proverbs 24. 14, 24. Proverbs 20, 14, 24. It says, Wealth is a, is a crown for the wise. And the effort of fools yields only what? Foolishness. You know what that tells us? That tells us that true wisdom and wealth are inseparable. Those scriptures tell us that true wisdom and wealth are inseparable. Inseparable. So many times it's a wisdom problem that, that you have. It's not a money problem that you have. It's a wisdom problem. Wisdom problem. Why? Because true wisdom and wealth are, are really inseparable. It's not about wealth. It's not about money. But when you have real wisdom, money will not be your problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, 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 so go after wisdom. It, the book. Sit down and be lectured. Say, but I should be lecturing by now. Oh God, excuse me. Lecturing what? Which one again? Is it uh, Wyeck or Jam? <laughs> now let's 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 listen to the the wisest guy that ever lived, Ecclesiastes two eight. This this is the wisest guy that at least in the Bible. He says, "I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and princes. I hired wonderful singers." Both men and women. I says, and had many beautiful concubines. Is that not what it says? It's concubines. <laughs> I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me. And my wisdom never failed me. If you have it, you know. And my wisdom never failed me. He's the wisest guy. He says, look, when you have wisdom, everything else becomes addition. So principle number nine is what? Principle of, come on, vision. Ten is principle of tithing. Eleven is principle of wisdom. Twelve, finally, the principle of obedience. The principle of obedience. Joshua 1.8. Scripture we know very well. Study this book of instruction continually. Again, get wisdom. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be able to obey a few of the things that are in there. Everything written on it only then, only then will you prosper and succeed. So, obedience and prospering. The truth you know that you don't do is not to your advantage. All the things, we, principles we have learned, if, if you obey them, you will prosper. If you don't obey them, it's up to you. That's what the scripture is saying. Job, Job 36, 11. Job 36, 11 says to us that if they listen and obey God, 
<laughs> they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. And their what? Yes. Will be pleasant. Isaiah 1, 19 says to us, if you will only obey me, you will have plenty, plenty to eat. So the question to you today is this, to you and I, is this. Can you say there is nothing God has asked me to do that is left undone? Can you say that? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. Take this question home and wrestle with it. Can you say that there's nothing God has asked me to do that I have not done? Can you really, really say that? I want to challenge you that when you get home, that you read Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. Read Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. There's no time. I wanted us to read it because there are some amazing parts of it. In fact, if you have the mind, now look up everywhere, look up everywhere, look up everywhere. Please look up, please look up. I know you're writing, you're trying to catch up. If you have the heart, read from 15 to 66. This is 6 or 68. That thing takes mind to read. <laughs> Believe me. But I think it will do you a lot of good. It's amazing how we cherry pick the word of God. When he says you will be above all his, amen. That's Deuteronomy 8, I think verse 2. When he says you will be blessed going out and coming, he says, amen. That's verse 4. When he says that, <laughs> what is it? so many blessings in there. But when you get to verse 15, if you say, if you don't obey this word, I would say this is to my enemies. <laughs> as, as when you remember you have enemies. But when you were claiming the blessings, you didn't have enemies. So the truth is this. You don't get wealthy by, just by speaking into existence what you want. If that is how people get wealthy, everybody in church will be wealthy today. I claim it. I command it to happen. Oh, heaven. Call, let dollars enter my account. You see, I, I, I'm so amazed at what people pray. You get wealthy by obeying what, by doing what he wants, by obeying what he says. One of my friends, the pastor, you know, I bumped into one of his videos online. I'm going, to, I'm going to have a conversation with him. Dollars come into my account. What's wrong with you? Meanwhile, there are things God has told you to do. You are not doing it. And you are commanding dollars to come to you. Is it witchcraft? Uh. Genesis 13 that we read earlier on. The part that skips us is this many times. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, look as far as you can see, north, south, east, west, I will give you the land. 
after Lot had, had gone. Well, that is so important, right? Because the instruction God said to give to Abraham, if you read it, leave your father's house and I will bless you. He left, but he carried Lot, his nephew. Oh, but he was just responsible for him. He was just being irresponsible. But was that what God said? So, there are certain things that you will not enter into as long as there is lot in your life. God is waiting. The day you are tired, you will let lot go. Then, after lot has gone, then the blessing will be full. So, so what is lot? in your life? Or who is Lot? What is that thing that is an object of, impas- of, of, of partial obedience? What's that thing that makes your obedience partial and not complete? That is Lot. If you want all that God has for you, you need to let Lot go. You need to let Lot go. Lot can be harmless. Lot can mean no harm, but Lot is Lot. Lot may also have helped you in the past, but Lot is Lot. If you want to get to where God has for you, you need to let Lot go. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. What is Lot? Who is Lot? What does he represent? Who does he represent? Let's talk to God. It's not just, just about, oh, God has said it, I claim it, I receive it. Yes, obviously there's a place for that and there's, there's a place for using your words and entering into where God has designed for you. But it cannot be at the expense of obedience to God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And to Akin than the fatness of Ram. You are, you are here, you are like, you are not saved. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Your life is not in obedience to God. You are saying, Pastor, finally, I hear it. Finally, I can see. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. That you come in alignment with your maker. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. I want to be in obedience, in alignment with God. I want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you, my sister. Put up your hand. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Keep the hands up until you get a card. That is me, my brother. God bless you right there. That is me. I'm in disobedience. I'm out of sync. I'm, I, I used to be born again. I've gone back. God bless you. Keep the hands up until you get a card. Once you have the card, you can put out that hand. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Pray with me. God bless you, right? God bless you, my brother. God bless you right there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my brother. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. My brother, God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Pray with me. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray with you. My sister, keep the hands up. Put the hands up over your head. Put it up over your head. And we'll pray together. That is me. They're online. The instructions are scrolling. The rest of us, let's just talk to God. I don't know what it is that you need to work on. In fact, 
for a lot of us, for me, is everything really because it's always work in progress. Vision is work in progress. Tithing is work in progress. I, I'm, I always increase it. Governors of wealth always increase it. It's always stretching. It's always stretching. What is it? What is it? Wisdom definitely is work in progress. Obedience definitely is work in progress. Talk to God about it. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today as, as they have surrendered to you and you alone. We ask that you accept these ones, your children, cleanse them, and the grace to live out all that you have for them, given to them. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying.